Welcome, everybody. Hey, we, uh, if, if you're just like tuning in, plug it in, we've been talking about some of the stuff that we're asking, but we're not really asking when we're, maybe there's some shame to it, or you're just like, I probably should know the answer to this, or I want to know the answer, but I'm just not going to attach my name to it. We will do something like, hey, blah, 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 blah. I'm just asking for a friend so I can help them out when it's all for you. So we're going to do that today, but I want to tell you a little bit of background to some of this. Uh, I, I have multiple heroes in my life. One of them is a guy named Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C., if you want to feel bad for him. Uh, so he's in Washington, D.C. Uh, now, what's cool about, and, and where I got connected, I've, I've not met him yet. One day I will. Uh, but one day, uh, they as a church uh, found a crack house. Huh? Uh, if you know, that's, that's where uh, illegal drugs are being done, amongst other things. It's a bad place, not, go, not going well. They acquired, as a church, the crack house and turned it into a coffee house. It's incredible. In fact, if you ever go to D.C., for who knows what reason, but if you ever go to D.C., downtown, there's a place called Ebenezer's Coffee Shop. And that is the place. It's run by, owned by a church, at least as, at least as much as I know now. Pretty cool thing. Well, anyways, Mark Batterson, one of my heroes, I just love the idea of a church taking something that the community was like, this is bad, and now it's awesome. I love that idea. Well, he tells a story about one of his heroes, one of the people that he looks up to. The guy's name is uh, Jack Hayford, and Jack Hayford uh, came to town in such a way that Mark was able to sit and listen to Jack Hayford uh, preach, talk to a bunch of pastors. It's a whole room full of pastors. How weird would that be? And is talking to him, talking to him. Mark Batterson says that his hero, the guy he's looking up to, starts the whole thing off. He goes, I got one sentence for you. Make decisions against yourself. He's like, that's it. Take notes on that. Write it down. And then, then Jack Hayford spent the next two hours unpacking that statement. I'm not going to do that, by the way, for those of you like, two hours? And so he, two hours unfolding, make decisions against yourself. Now, here's what I'm aware of. I'm not like oblivious to this, that that is absolutely the opposite of every commercial you were ever here in all of your life. It's actually very unpopular now, this idea that you would do anything against yourself. However, I think it's a fantastic definition for self-control. Make decisions against yourself. Let me help for some of you who are just, I can see it in some of your faces, you're alarmed by this. Make decisions against yourself. If, if you have any favorite athlete, you know that that athlete has made decisions against themselves. In other words, maybe they needed to go work out a little bit more or all of their friends went to the buffet. I would have gone to the buffet and said maybe later, right? It's when you make choices against yourself. It's if you've ever been a student and you decided to study instead of what you really wanted to do. Some of you love to study. That's fine. Most of us don't. Right? So you've seen the difference when you, you make a decision against what you're, you're feeling. And, and Jack Hayford talked about this, how he spent the two hours basically telling story after story of moments that he either went against his ego or he indulged in his ego, where he exhibited self-control or didn't exhibit self-control. Let me, let me go, let's go a little closer to home. Have you ever talked to someone who's been married for like 50, 60, 70 years. It's now like so cool that you'll find this on the internet where you talk to people and like, hey, like how long, 
Like, how'd you do this? Like, what'd you do? And, and we're thinking, you guys must like really hit the jackpot. You guys must actually really seem to like each other. That's amazing to go that long with another person. And what you're going to find out, just so you know, is they're not going to tell you, yeah, we get along all the time. They aren't going to tell you we love all the same things. We're not. What you're going to learn is, is they learned that they weren't the only person that existed on planet Earth. That they learned to make decisions against themselves. If you want to make a family thrive, you need this. If you make a friendship thrive, you need this. But let's walk this closer. Let's go talk about God. If you want to fulfill all the potential God has given you, you will have to make some decisions against yourself. Sorry if that's bad news. <laughs> I know some of us are like, but I didn't want that. I wanted Jesus, and I wanted the easy road. <laughs> no. According to Scripture, if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to give stuff up. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, and they're like, yeah, we want to. He's like, cool. You must give up your own way. They're like, all the time. Some of the times. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, you want, you want what I, I know is best for you? Then your way can't be all the time. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I would tell you, this is some of the greatest wisdom you will ever come across for the rest of your entire life. You can take passages like that and plug it into any relationship you ever have, any situation, that if you walk into it with a bit of, I'm not going to pursue everything I want all the time, there's potential then right there. So let me tell you what I'm getting at. If, if you were to ask on behalf of a friend, why talk about this self-control? Why can't I stop? Why can't I start? We're not asking this question. Now, we're hunting the answer. It's why there's a whole system of marketing and a whole system of money flowing for commercials to tell you how to get in shape. Because there are a ton of people going, why can't I stop eating such and such? And why can't I start being healthy? This is, there's a money machine there, but... Again, you go down a little bit deeper. There's something in your life likely that you're going, why can't I stop thinking that way? If you've ever worried, you're like, why can't I stop just worrying? Maybe it's my personality. I'm going to tell you right now, God did not give you the personality of worry. Why can't I stop saying angry words? Why can't I stop taking that substance in, whatever it is? Why can't I stop looking at that? Why can't I stop breaking people's trust? You, you mean to keep going? You know, why can't I stop? And then there's the other side. Why can't I start doing what I know is good? Hmm? Self-control. So the best place to start with self-control is where most of us don't start. Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. If, you, if you're new to the Holy Spirit, like who's the Holy Spirit? God. So the Spirit of God produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and that's it. It's great. You notice how it's at the end, the self-control? If I said, all right, church, I love you guys. What do you want to work on today? Most of us would be like, not number nine. Let's do self-control later. That's not, nah. Let's not do that one. Is that not, at least, at least we could admit that it would fall to the bottom of the list of things that we want to process However, 
the amount of self-control in your life has everything to do with the potential that you want to live out. It's a big deal. But this verse says it in such a way, it's interesting because this verse is bringing that it's actually the fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit of God. In other words, our core need is a need for God. If, you, if you're tired of saying, why can't I stop thinking about that? Why can't I stop doing that? Why can't I stop? And you're like, this is so frustrating. I'm trying harder. According to God, our greatest need is for God, that we need to involve God earlier rather than later. But most of us, if you're anything like me, we wait till rock bottom. We're like, I think I might need God now. And he's saying, no, if you can't stop this and you don't know how to start what you need to, bring God in earlier. I'm a dad of four kids, which means I tell dad jokes, and I say dad corny stuff. Combine that with being a pastor, it's a weird home that my family lives in. <laughs> but I thought of something, I thought, I'm going to pass this on. If there's something you should stop, God is where you start. That's what I teach my kids. If there's something, whatever it is, if there's something in your life that you should stop, you're like, I should stop that. It's not that you go to Google first. Don't start P90X first. Don't. You go to God, and you're like, boy, that sounds like we're spiritualizing some simple things. No. God will tell you that he would like to be a part of everything in your life. But as you and I process self-control, one of the reasons you and I don't like conversations about self-control is not that we don't like the fruit of self-control. We don't like the effort of self-control. It's painful, exhausting, very difficult. So I would tell you, start with God. Let me show you something in the Bible that looks like, at first glance, like all self-control stuff. For the grace of God has been revealed through bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to, basically, self-control. So turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. You and I aren't supposed to do everything that pleases us, everything that we just want to do. We, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. Most people are not going to be shocked if Pastor David says, you should be free of every kind of sin. You're like, yeah, I know. I should do better. To cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. So when you read this, it kind of looks like, don't do this stuff, but do good stuff. If you read it, don't, this is a great lesson for kids too, don't do bad. Do good. I went to seminary, just so you know. <laughs> don't do bad. Don't, and well, we should do good. Okay. And most of us are trying really hard on this, right? I mean, you're somehow tuned into a sermon in church. So in theory, it's of interest to you that you not do the bad stuff and that you do the good stuff. And so sometimes, pastor ends the sermon, thanks for coming, this is awesome, and we go out trying harder, working hard to, to not do the bad, stay away from the bad, and to do the good. And we miss one of the most powerful, potent parts of that passage. The hinge that I would call it. You want self-control? You, you want to you stop the bad and start the good? It's not like, just work harder, want it more, right? This is like, be... It's God. You need God 
to do what you want to do and need to do. You need them. So staying in trend of dad and pastor, don't start with more try, start with trust. It's not trying harder. This message, let me free some of us. This message is not going, try harder. Come on, church, try harder. You can do better. This isn't try, this is trust more. Start with trust. Who do you trust? Why do you trust them? Is it you? Is it someone around you? Is it just culture? What, what, what do you have your trust in? And you go after that, and that will help you understand why you can't stop and why you can't start. Many of us are trying to use willpower. You ever try to use willpower? Uh, one of the best uh, analogies of willpower is fuel. Um, they say willpower is basically fuel for self-control. I would kind of disagree, but, uh, but willpower is called fuel. And can we agree that fuel is expensive these days? <laughs> and not only is it expensive, fuel, for those of you who don't fuel your car up regularly, fuel runs out, does it not? And most of us say, you know what that is like, willpower. It's expensive, and it runs out. And what most of us think the answer is, more willpower. So maybe, maybe you, you want to get inspired, get more willpower. Get, watch a good video, get more willpower. Let, let me tell you a study. This might help a little bit about how trying harder may not be the answer. It's a study that was done with radishes, cookies, and puzzles. Uh, some of you, I know, I know some of you are like, mm, radishes look good. No vegetable looks good to me when compared to cookies, okay? I mean, I like veggies. I'm good with veggies. But I know some of you, like, when I tell these stories, you're like, I, I, those choices, I would have gone with the radishes, David. They're delicious. Good for you. This may not be the church for you. I'm just kidding. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So here's how the study was gone. What's cool is the study I'm going to tell you, by the way, the study that I'm telling you has influenced the study of people year after year after year. Here's how it went. They, they broke groups up, as you expect with the study. They break the groups up, and they put the groups in, and, 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 they, and they want to see if they're going to resist, right? We're going to see what's going to go on. Well, they tell one group, hey, there's cookies and radishes. You can eat whatever you want. I mean, just enjoy. Which I was like, why am I not in that group? That sounds fantastic. You just pick whatever you want to eat. They told the other group, hey, you can't eat those cookies. You can't touch the cookies. Don't, don't even eat. Don't. No. And then the researchers, you know, left the room to observe the people. <laughs> and some of the people even broke the rules. They would go up to the cookies. Oh, so good. I would have been that. I would have hovered and smelled the cookies, but they weren't supposed to eat the cookies. And I know you're probably thinking right now, oh, this is a study done on how long can people actually like, resist the cookies. That wasn't the study. This is the kicker. This is so cool. Each group was then, after spending amount of time, either indulging in the cookies or resisting the cookies, were sent to another room where they were given an impossible puzzle to solve. Literally, there was no solution to it. How cruel. <laughs> the people who had eaten the cookies, who, who weren't even asked to resist, were just like, here's some cookies. Thank you very much. They went into the room, and they spent 20 minutes trying to solve this impossible puzzle before they gave up. The group that had just been anguishly rejecting eating cookies, they had been using willpower to not eat the cookies, they gave up within eight minutes trying to solve that puzzle. 
What they learned in the study is that you might try willpower, but guess what happens with willpower? It runs out, you stall out, and then you crash. So if you think the lesson is, you know, I don't need, I don't need Pastor David's Bible or his God. I'm just a positive thinker. I'm going to willpower myself into all the things I need in my life. Science says, no, you won't. Because what happens is, let me just hypothetically explain my day. I'm going to get up, I'm going to eat healthy. And I kill it at breakfast. I'm awesome. I dominate breakfast. I'm like, I just, I'm the healthiest person right now in the entire Black Hills. If they all saw what I did for breakfast, everyone would be amazed. Then I'd go to the office and someone delivered out of the goodness of their heart to our staff cookies or donuts. And I'm like, yay, you, you are the devil I reject. (laughs) And I will walk by those donuts and cookies and say, no, I'm eating healthy. I'm doing good stuff. Then the afternoon comes, a little like, man. I wonder if any donuts are left. (laughs) I go downstairs, there aren't any. Yes, victory, I did not eat the donuts. They aren't there anymore anyways. Then you go home to dinner. Let's just say hypothetically, maybe it's me, whatever. I'm going to keep doing well, but then I I eat my dinner, but then I was like, I'm going to get seconds. I get a little bit of seconds. Like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And then later on in the evening, around 7 or 8 o'clock, you know what sounds so stinking good? Cereal. I have no idea why. Well, and when I say cereal, so I'm like, yeah, get a big, little big book. No, no, you go get the mixing bowl, and you're like, that's, that's. <laughs> so you relate. <laughs> I started the day going, I own breakfast. I go to bed going, tomorrow's got to be better. It's got to be. The more you try to live life with willpower and willpower only, you will give up. You not only will give up, you will crash and you'll be like, why? And you'll begin to think and maybe blame God or the people around you and just say, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm just addicted to this and I can't ever resist this. Maybe I can't speak nicely or maybe I'm just a worrying person. No. But I got to ask you a question and this is very personal, very personal. In the world of self-control, here's the question. What has you? Not what has me. I'm pretty open with what has had me in the past. What has you? In fact, I have to actually pause the sermon right now because I can ask that, but not everyone's going to ask that of themselves. So here's what I'd like you to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Wherever you are, like bow your heads and close your eyes. And I would like for you, if you would be so willing to ask God right now privately, no one's going to know what the answers are, what you're saying, but I want you to speak to God. God, what has me? What in my life has control, has me in shackles? What, what, what in my life's got me? I'm going to give you a few seconds. You ask him. Maybe you already know, but I just want you to go to this conversation. Almighty God, we need you because I am 100% confident what was just spoken to you has so much weight that we don't even understand. I'm very confident, God, many people spoke to you, addictions, affairs, relationships they should not be having, words they are saying, actions they are doing, and there is a brokenness going on. So God, I ask that you would be present as you always promised to be, but God, I ask that you'd be present in a very, very real way, that your spirit would begin to mold in our hearts a softness, a pliability to whatever you have to say for the rest of our time. We need your help. We want your help. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. If you still have any interest in stopping what you've not been able to stop, getting self-control that you crave, there's two things that the Bible over and over that God very specifically brings to the forefront and says this is necessary for self-control. The first one, deliverance. Not the movie. Some of you who have come from an era, you're like, I'm about to show you the movie deliverance. I'm not going to show you the movie deliverance. Deliverance. You need deliverance. You need God's help. Remember, I told you, I'm over and over. You need God's help. Deliverance. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. What was he crying out? He delivered me from all my fears. For those of you right now who are consumed by your fears, your worries, and your anxieties, according to Scripture, yes, therapy might be good, but God is also a part of that equation. Go to God. So many times that we just like, we think God is like for maybe the 911 calls. And he's like, you got stuff you're stewing on that's keeping you awake at night, that's dominating your thoughts. Go to God and ask him to deliver you from that. Galatians 5. So Christ has truly set us free. For those of you who think that you're just in bondage to this forever, now make sure that you stay free. Stay free. Interesting language. That means that you could not be free again. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Needing God. God, deliver us. Help us stay delivered. And perhaps the most popular one, 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, supernatural power to what? To demolish strongholds, the things that have us uh, unable to stop, the things that you might say, I am shackled to this. I just can't seem to get away from this. I keep looking at this stuff or saying this stuff or worrying about this stuff or stressing about this stuff. I keep being unfaithful or untrustworthy. Why? we got to go to God and ask him to deliver us. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to pray over all of us that God would deliver us from the strongholds. I believe in the power of God. I believe it's as real as ever before. I'm not trying to be hokey or weird because it's not. We need God and we go to God for deliverance. We lean on God, depend on God. But I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear. God is not going to do everything for you always, every day, and every second. It's horrible parenting. And many of us are like, well, God, deliver me. I fell down again. God, deliver me. I fell down again. Well, what God would teach is, I, I, I will deliver you, but you also need discipline. There's an action in your life that it's not just, God, be my genie, be my vending machine. Just let me download whenever I want to. I, I want you to show up whenever I cry out to you. No, he's going to be like, no, no, there's some action to this. First Timothy, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales on social media. All right, sorry, I added that. Sorry. Another sermon. Instead, watch this, train yourself to be godly. There's some uh, schools of thought you like that our godliness is entirely all God and we have no role in that. Scripture said train ourselves to be godly. As other, there's a partnership there appears to be between God and us that it's not just God doing everything and we just sit and be like, tell me when I go to heaven. We're supposed to, while we one day go to heaven, be training ourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness 
is much better. This is why a couple weeks ago, we had a heart-to-heart, and I told you that our kids' ministry does not have enough volunteers, and parents rise up to this. Some of you, some of you parents have decided to do that, where you're helping train kids in godliness. Good on you. So proud of you. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So it could end the sermon there as well. You're like, man, you got lots of places you can end this sermon. Why don't you? Because it's not time. We need deliverance from God, and we need discipline. So some of us are still not, not without, like, good hearts. We leave this sermon going, all right, pray to God, then go work harder and be more disciplined. But have you ever tried to just, like, be more disciplined? Like, ugh, didn't show up. And you, and you had a day, maybe that was good, but then it plays out where it wasn't. Let's, let's dive into Scripture. What's allowed Versus what's beneficial. You want to be disciplined? This is like peeling back the word discipline, saying, what's discipline really? What's discipline really look like? you got to start asking stuff like this. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I'm just processing. We live in a wonderful country that gives us rights. Aren't rights wonderful? I mean, I I think they are. The answer is yes. (laughs) Do you know what the problem is with the rights-dominated culture and country that we live in? We stop asking, but what's best? We say, let's draw the line. And we stop saying, but what is best for all of us? I'm not suggesting for those of you like, well, we are leaving this communist church. No. no, no. All I'm saying is, you got to be aware of your culture to understand the messages that are coming your way and saying, maybe I'm transforming what I believe about God based on what I see in culture. Don't do that. What I'm telling you is, is that you and I have got a process. If we want self-control, we can't always be asking, what's my right? It's what's best. I remember... Uh, I don't know what you're going to do with this information either. But anyways, uh, so growing up as, as a teenager, that was fun. And me and my buddies decided we needed to go talk to our youth pastor. His name is Charlie. So we needed to go visit him. So we, we just barge in because we didn't care. Anyways, we just went into his office, sat down. He's like, what do you guys want? Like, we got a question, Pastor Charlie. It's like, what? How far is too far? Some of you didn't grow up in church. You're like, what is he talking about? Talking about dating, talking about, at that time we were talking about girlfriends. Right, Pastor Charlie, what's the line? That's what we were asking. Like, we know we're not, we know what we're not supposed to do, but what's the line? Because, frankly, we'd like to live at the line. Can we be at the line? <laughs> do I sound like a 16 year old? Right? Like, like, where's the line? And I, we saw it in his face. I mean, he's like, boys, come on. Right intentions, wrong strategy. You got me? Like, like we get that you're, you're wanting to honor God, but, but you also got to think about honoring 
your girlfriend and honoring her parents and honoring God's best way. And we were like, oh, we didn't think about that. We just want to know the line because I think we have good intentions with life where you're like, I know the line. I don't want to cross the line because the line, there's going to be consequences. But, but too many of us are trying to be self-controlled, all nestled up to the line. And we're like, why do I keep tripping over the line? Because you're too close to it. Hmm. You want a relationship with God, a relationship with God? It's not about how close can you get to the line. If you want a religion, you can use the line all you want. Religion's all about lines. Relationships are more about honoring, more about intimacy, more about how do I make this thing thrive and have potential? How do I do that? So what we've got to now turn into is How do we begin to be disciplined? We know we go to God for deliverance, but what do we do? Here's a discipline strategy. I want to walk you out. This will will be very basic at the beginning. Discipline strategy step number one, you need a goal or goals. Very basic. I know that. And some of you are like, I hate goals. That's so not cool anymore. Listen, it's a classic statement. Uh, If you aim for nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit, right? If there's something in your life you're going, David, I can't stop that. I, I just can't seem to stop that. Can't stop worrying. Can't stop cheating. Can't stop saying mean words. I can't. Then what if your goal were to change and say, rather, rather than a goal of like trying to make it through one day, what if your goal began, my goal is I want a great relationship with God. That's my goal. I just want a great relationship with him. If it's related to your marriage, what if it's like not just stopping and starting stuff? In the, what if it's like we want our marriage to be awesome. That's a goal. Let's do this. Let's go after that. If you don't want to worry anymore, maybe your goal is, I want to trust God. Okay, I want to trust God. I want to, okay, cool. Goals. Write down the goal. Next step, boundaries and routines. Woo, isn't this sexy? <laughs> boundaries and routines. See, you're, you're looking at me going, I've heard this before, I know, but you're not doing it, neither am I. There's these moments where I say, what, what has you most of the things you say, what has me, I'm not setting goals there, and I don't have boundaries and routines there. If you grew up in church, uh, you likely had a pastor tell you, you should go to church. You should worship regularly. You should read your Bible. You should pray. And if you're like a real good Christian, you should give and serve. And yeah, it's awesome. And some of us are like, okay, I'll do that. And we weren't ever explained that that's kind of the inside of the engine. The purpose of the engine, though, is to have a thriving relationship with God, and any relationship needs some boundaries. Amen? Any relationship needs boundaries and routines. Katie and I regularly go on a walk as often as we possibly can, even if it's stinking windy. And I'm going to tell you right now, that routine, this will sound weird to you, that routine has been one of the greatest routines in all of our marriage for all of the years we've ever had. It's a routine. You get that, right? It's just a routine. I've ridden, when I used to have a motorcycle, where I'd go through the, uh, the Rockies, and I remember the parts of the Rockies where you're going around in the mountain, and there were guardrails. I'm like, I'm winning, and then there weren't guardrails. Like, I'm scared. Let's pull over. Can't do this. The only difference was there was a guardrail. It's powerful in your life. If you actually put boundaries and guardrails and routines, 
you'll start to see the fruit of it. The goal is not that, you got me? The goal is not like that you be really good at routines and boundaries. It's that you understand that that is going to help you fight against what has you. You know all that. But there's one thing that likely had some of you unplugged from this whole sermon and you don't remember any part of the sermon and you're done with the sermon, you don't even know what I've said. It's when I brought up self-control and you went to shame really quick. And so you have no idea even what I said. So I thought we could land there that the third part of a discipline strategy is that you need grace and will need grace. A year ago, uh, March, I got up in front of you and still upsets me that I did it, but I got up in front of you and told you I'm going to start eating healthier. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing like to tell your, your spouse I'm going to start eating healthier, but when you get up in front of thousands of people, I'm like, I'm going to start eating healthier. I got done that day and people were like, man, you're so brave. And it wasn't until then I realized, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> it was instrumental. And help me eat healthier. I've learned what an appropriate portion is. I've learned that I want to stick around and be a dad for a long time. I want to be a husband for a long time. I want to be your pastor for a long time. I don't want to disqualify myself way too early. And so I eat healthier now. And, but i got to tell you, if you need to hear this, I have failed multiple times in the past year. I've had days, I didn't even start off with a good breakfast. Come on. <laughs> it's like, we're going to Tally's, and we're going to dominate Tally's. <laughs> and then there's a cookie shop next to Tally's. <laughs> Let's get cookies. And I'm finding something to celebrate going back in my old ways. I'm just telling you, I'm confessing to you, I'm going back in my old ways. Some of you are like, David, it's okay to have a cheat day. Not the day I did that day. No, that was beyond cheating. Uh, researchers have studied people on diets and have identified something that you may not like me to say, but I'm going to tell you their words. Are you clear on this? I'm going to tell you their words, not my words. It's their words. Are we clear? This is not Pastor David's words. This is their words. The researchers have discovered called, something called the what the hell effect. Some of you are like, did he? Some of you just woke up. Did he? Yes, I just said the what the hell effect. That's what they call it, and here's what it is. They have found that people on diets that say they're going to eat well, they'll have a moment that they cheat, and instead of saying, oh, that was one moment, most of the time they binge the rest of the day. You go from tallies to cookies to, we should go somewhere for lunch. I know I can't and it hurts, but let's do it. Yeah. And what they have studied of you and I is that, listen, when we fail, and we feel bad about it, you know what we want? We want to immediately feel good. And the quickest way to feel good is whatever pleasure is your pleasure. When you sin, you know what the devil's gonna try to get you to do? Make you feel super bad about what he just told you to do. Sounds weird, right? Why'd you do that? You told me to do that. Why'd you do that? And he wants you feeling shame, so you stay there. I think it's fitting that it's called, what the hell effect. 
And so some of you right now are living in shame. And I would like to interrupt. You know what the solution they found even for diets? You know what you're supposed to do if you cheat and you're not supposed to? You're like, I feel bad. You know what you're supposed to do? This is going to rock you. Confess it. If you've been in any kind of addiction world, you know it's where you say, I have a problem with this. Christians, this is when we go to God and say, I'm sorry. This has me. Help me. So I'm going to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This prayer is going to be different than I normally do. It's out of Scripture, straight from Scripture, and I'm going to read it to you. But I want you to know this is an authentic prayer for you intended for this very moment. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is great to understand, it's hard to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that anyone and everyone who wants to be delivered from their sin, from their bondage, in the almighty name of Jesus, I ask that you would free and deliver those who are in bondage. God, would you come in, sweep in, break those chains. And God, we commit to you as a church, but even individually, that we would live a life connected to you. Help us to be disciplined from now on. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.